Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 8. Hallelujah. You excited today? Amen. I am too. I'm so excited about our church. I'm excited about you, what God has for you, what God has for us. Hard times out there in the world. Really is. Hard times out there in the world. Uh, but it's only getting brighter in the church. <laughs> and it's only going to get better in the church. And the deeper we go into this last day, the, the difference is going to be starker and starker. And it's going to be like whacked out. I mean, it's already there. I look at what some people are going through. I'm like, my, my goodness, that's, that's messed up. That's horrible what that person is going through and dealing with. Yet if they would just, oh, if we could get the gospel to them. If we get the word working in them to any degree. And they get over into the light. Where it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. It's just wonderful to hear about some of the victories. You know that I've heard even this week. Uh, the Madalas, you know, spiritual son my, uh, to me and, and Chelsea there out preaching this morning. Got a brand new home. <laughs> it's brand new to them. And they're moving in. Nothing like having your own place. And uh, anyway, just victory and victory. We're just excited about it. Amen. And so part of what we're doing in this series is we're teaching a vital component, a vital truth. Uh, and it's just going to become more important that we walk in what we're teaching right now as we go into the last days. And that is the believer's authority. We've been in a series for a number of weeks now called You Hold the Reins. Or You've Got the Steering Wheel in Your Hand. The outcome of your life uh, is up to you. Is up to you. It's in your hand. I was just, just telling my wife, thinking about some things people are going through that are way out ahead of me in years. And I just told her, I said, honey, I'm going to do, I'm, uh, God help me, I'm going to do whatever i got to do to make sure that my end is happy. I don't want to be old and sad. I don't mind being old, but I'm not going to be old and sad and decrepit and poor and sick and without my mind. Whatever I have to do today and every day, I'm going to do it in Jesus' name so that I can make sure that my end is blessed. There's so many people out there, they don't believe it's up to them. Because God is controlling that. You know that God could, He could today have His finger on your switch. If he hits that switch, you're going to dog dead in the floor. That's not how he works. There's a season. People say we have an appointment with death. The Bible says we have an appointment with death. You know the Bible doesn't say we have an appointment with death. People misquote the word all the time. The Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once. He didn't say you have a time slot And on such and such day, in some future year, and month, and day, and hour, and minute, and second, bam, you're dropping dead. There, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Bible teaches explicitly or implies both, you know, that there are things that you and I could do to lengthen our life. And there are things, conversely, that we could do to shorten our life. You ought to be interested. What is that? What is that? And a lot of it is so simple. Like 
Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. That's because it's the first commandment with promise. What's that promise? That things will go well with you on this earth and that you'll live long. Notice long life is connected to how you treat mom and dad. Now, I was with Dr. Jacobs, of course, in Mexico City, and we were teaching on spiritual lineage, and he was teaching on spiritual fatherhood. And he said, you know, there, of course there's an application to your natural parents that he's talking about, but what about your spiritual parents? What about your spiritual dad? Long life's connected to how you treat your pastor. Long life for, for Chris is connected to how I treat my spiritual mom and spiritual dad. Hallelujah. You're, if you're interested in this, read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs and you'll find out you could do this and shorten your life. Or you could do this and lengthen your life. See, it's up to you. Who holds the reins? We hold the reins. We hold the reins. We hold, how many of you know if I just got, well, that, that guy that got, you know, young and dumb and full of the devil, grabs a hold of a gun, wants to go shoot up a Walmart. I mean, we saw God permit that. But you know, there's Christians that believe that in some, for some unknown reason, in God, God is sovereign, He's in control. Don't worry about it, honey. We don't understand why your mama got shot and is not with you anymore. Listen, that's, to me, that's blasphemy to think like that. Think of what the kind of character label you're putting on God. We're smarter than that, aren't we? That doesn't pass the smell test. You may not know a lick of the Bible. That doesn't smell the that doesn't pass the make sense test. God's good. I said God's good. Hallelujah. We've got to learn to cooperate with God. And the younger we learn it, the more sweet your life is going to be. Hallelujah. Where are we? We're in Psalms chapter 8, aren't we? And uh, pick it up in verse 4 with me. It says, what is man? That you are, talking about God, that you are mindful of him. And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Let me read that to you in the Amplified Translation. In the Amplified Translation, it says, Yet you have made him a little lower than God. And that's the way it should be translated. The King Jimmy translators didn't have the guts to stay true to the Hebrew text. They were religious. Thank God for the King James Bible. But you understand it's a translation of the original. Human beings put their hand on it. And there are some gross misrepresentations of the truth in the King James Bible. That's why you don't have to be taken astray, but you have to study. You know, pastor's changing. Are you changing? I'm changing. And I'll just, to help you, let me share with you one of the areas that I'm changing is I have a lot of times, and I understand it, uh, people say, Pastor, where's this scripture at? Pastor, can you give me a list of scriptures? I'm, if you've been around me a little bit, poquito, you've just been around me a little bit, I'm going to help you out. But you need to study for yourself. Right? 
I know what I know because I studied. And your life and my life does not carry God's approval if we don't study. Put down your gardening magazine. Pick up your Bible. Hallelujah. It would do you good to have to find that healing scripture yourself. Okay, hallelujah. Amen. So this scripture in the, in the uh, Amplified says, Yet you have made man a little lower than God. You know, can I translate that a little bit different? Let's just say it a little bit different for our understanding. We are made a whole lot like God. Does that help you? We are made a whole lot like God. Genesis said, we've read it many times in this series already, God said in the beginning, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. First thing God did for Adam was take the dirt and the dust, right, and and formed his body. That's all the body is, is dirt and dust and water. Amen? But then he breathed into Adam's nostrils, and the Bible says he became a living soul. Bad translation. It's not horrible, but it's not the best. The literal Hebrew text said man became a speaking spirit. Like God. Man is a speaking spirit like God is a speaking spirit. How important are your words? (laughs) More than you know. It goes on and says, You have crowned man with glory and honor. You have made him, get this, underline this, think about this. You have made him to have dominion. Well, dominion over what? Over the works of God's hands. Over the works of God's hands. Then I love this last part. He has put how many things? All things, all things under our feet. This is where all things belong. All things belong in our charge, in our care. You were to come, whatever condition it would, I wouldn't give myself an A right now, maybe a B plus of the condition of my shop. Don't blame Amber for the condition of the shop. Whatever condition it's in, everything in there is in my charge right now. Right? See, people, even Christians, they're mad at God. They're frustrated with God. They're irritated on some level with God. They've been taught this religious lie that God's in charge of everything. And they want things, and they don't have them. They prayed for Grandma to be healed, and she wasn't. I had a dream to start a business and it failed. I launched out into something that didn't work out. Listen, you ought to know already if you've been with me in this series very long, we have no one to blame. We have no one to blame. God is with us and God is for us, but we have to learn to cooperate with Him. And if we don't like the current state of our life, look in the mirror. You don't like your waistline? You did it. Bite by bite. You don't like your physical condition? You could have changed it. You could have got up off the couch and put some muscle on. Right? Stop blaming everything on some unseen cosmic force. Hello? Well, the devil. 
Well, you've seen already in this series, the devil's defeated. <laughs> the devil's defeated. Where should he be? Way under. But what, what uh, the psalmist is saying here when he says all things are under our feet, he means that man has been put in a position to rule and reign over everything he or she's going to have to deal with in their life. If you have kids that talk back to you, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Now listen, I, I totally understand and I, I appreciate very much the fact that so many of us, we just don't know. We hadn't been taught this. We hadn't had, we hadn't had pastors to teach us this. Right. And we can't walk in something we don't know. No. Isn't that right? How, how can I know? Even Paul said under the unction of the Spirit, Romans 10, he said, how can an unbeliever believe? How can they call upon the Lord if they've not heard? We have, that's why we have to go. We have to tell. We have to teach. Uh, don't, 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 don't take anything that you hear me say ever and get beat up or condemned by it. Now something strong may come at you. And if the shoe fits, you just need to be a big girl and big boy and put that on it. Because then chew on it, digest it, because it'll help you. I'm not out to hurt you. Amen. Hallelujah. But do you see here, we were made for dominion. We were made for it. And so we've been exploring lately about the different things that we have authority over. The things that we have authority over. And you'll have to just go back. I don't have time to rehearse all of that with you. Um, praise God. But uh, I want to talk to you a minute about how uh, to make our authority that we have in God that's been delegated to us, what makes it work? What makes it work? And I have two messages. I, can't, I don't know if I can preach two messages. It's like a double-barreled shotgun. I'm just going to have, you know, I got, so we'll just see how it comes out. Is that all right? And if we get one part of the barrel unloaded, then we'll have to shoot the other barrel next Sunday. That's fine with me. Or if it just comes out both barrels, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? Okay. I want to just mention to you, go over to, uh, I think this would be funny. Let's go over to Acts. You know, you, you, there's funny in the Bible. Yeah, if you're li looking for it, there's funny all over the Bible. God's got a wonderful sense of humor. Now, of course, he wasn't behind the account we're about to read. Okay, but you're with me. We only have a few minutes, right? But you're with me here. We're talking about what makes my authority work. When I step out to use and exercise the authority I have in Jesus, I want it to work. Yes, Amen, I want it to work. And there are things that we have to have in place that make it work. Okay? If y'all did a little more amening and hooping and hollering, it would help me. Okay? All right, thank you. Hallelujah. And so let's begin reading a few verses here. This is Acts 19 and verse, let's just start in verse 11. It says, And God worked or wrought special miracles. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you the chapter. Acts 19. Acts 19. <clears throat> verse number 11. And God worked special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto him uh, under the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and, e and the evil spirits went out of them. Now notice this, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them, yeah, here we go, it's okay to laugh, they took upon them to call 
Notice this, they took upon them to call over evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying to the demons, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> and there were seven sons of one Sceva, last man, a man named last name Sceva, a Jew, and a chief of the priests, which did this, did so. And the evil spirit answered. One translation I love said, talk back. You know you're in trouble if the devil talks back. And the, it means sarcastically. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Oh, Jesus. Let's look and see what happened next. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, seven of them, and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. One demonically empowered man whipped seven men, stripped them of all their clothes, Wounded them, shamed them, embarrassed them, and sent them running. Well, what happened to authority? What happened over you shall tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means hurt you? Let's break it down. You could probably see it. Number one, it's evident they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You don't get... The omnipotent power of the name. See, that's the other message. And man, my wife picked up on it on the song she picked, talking, singing about the name. There's power in the name. Our authority is in the name. But you just can't take, you just can't take, Greg can't take my name and go to some place and say, now in Chris Cody's name. Not unless there's some connection there, some legality there, some, you know what I mean there. And so here are. Seven Jewish exorcists, what the Bible calls them. And they're watching Paul operate in dominion over evil spirits. And they go, that's cool. Man, that's really cool. Like in Acts 16, we may get there. Today, I don't know. But that's where Paul cast that spirit of divination out of that girl. Maybe those seven sons, wow, man, that's cool. We're going to do that. So how, what did he say? Oh yeah, Paul said in the name of... Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? But that's what he said. In Jesus' name, I adjure you in, and the demons come out. Let's go find somebody. Oh, here's a demon-possessed guy. Here's seven of them. Now, that Jesus that Paul talks about. You come out in that name. That, that name that... G, what's that name? Oh yeah, Jesus. And the demon talked back. What did the demon say? Jesus, I know. Paul, think, think about that. That demon. We, it doesn't surprise us that that demon recognized and respected Jesus and His authority. Looky there, that demon knew a man, Paul. Don't elevate him. Paul's a great man of God, great apostle. We're not right. demand, but he's a man in Christ. And that demon 
recognize. Oh, I know Paul. Paul I know. I respect Paul. But who are you? I don't know you. And I don't recognize your authority. And you can utter a name, but you can't, you can't make me come out of a man uttering a name you don't know. Are you getting what makes our authority work? Not just the name. Do you know Him? How is your connection between yourself and Jesus? Because some people, again, with a religious mindset, can just say, oh yeah, when I was three, when I was five, I asked Jesus into my heart. That is so wonderful. But are you a stranger to Jesus today? Are you a stranger to Jesus today? The example that the demon said he knew and respected was Jesus who lived in perfect fellowship with the Father. And Paul who lived in close connection to Jesus. And then you have this stranger who wants to work a formula. And they were overcome, whipped, stripped naked and embarrassed. They were not able to stand in victory over that dark power. Their authority did not work, number one, because they did not uh, know Jesus intimately and personally. Amen. If you want your authority to work, you have to have a personal, living, can I say this, current relationship with Jesus. Or you're not going to have any power with Him. And you're going to stand there and go, well, I spoke in Jesus' name, nothing happened. Really, I got whipped and defeated. I'm sicker today than I was before. Well, how are you and Jesus doing? How are you and Jesus doing? That's number one. Here's the second thing I want you to see out of this account. Jesus lived, did He not, completely surrendered and submitted to the will of His Father. Was Jesus a man under authority? He was. What about Paul? Paul, when he spoke to a devil, that devil came out. When Paul prayed a prayer in the name of Jesus, it came to pass. How did Paul live? He had relationship, but he lived a surrendered, obedient life to Jesus. Paul didn't go where he wanted to go. Paul didn't do what he wanted to do. He gave his whole life to fulfill the calling and the assignment. Jesus was not just Paul's Savior. Jesus was Paul's Lord. For our authority to work, you must be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. We can get that right. We can understand that, right? Because, and I think I made this statement the last time I was here. Uh, you can't use, you can't tap into the benefits, right? And just get all the cookies and candy of being a Christian and not assume the responsibilities of being a Christian. And we have churches today that are built on talking about the cookies, but they will not touch the responsibilities. And you have weak, deceived Christians. And people get mad at me in this church because I have expectations. People get upset with me. They get frustrated with me because I place demands on them. Listen, you ought to thank me. 
You all pat me on? Thank you, Pastor. It's like a parent. When a parent puts a standard on their child. And the child goes, but, but, but my sister Sally over in class, her parents let her do that, go there, watch that. What I would say is, I think more of you than, their parent, than her parents think of her. They may, but you may not. I'm put, see, when you put a, st- you are communicating value. Amen. See, I expect you to live right because I know you can. And if I can live right, you can live right. If I can live free from porn, you can live free from porn. If I can come to church, you can come to church. If I can be a tither and a giver and, and abound and increase, so can you. If I can talk right, you can talk right. Right? And see, and when there's a standard placed on us and, and an expectation that we rise up to that, well, see, now you've got a force in your life that's going to uh, be used to the Lord. To That's the purpose of it, to lift you to a higher place. Well, i got three amens and a whole bunch of grunts and a lot of, I'm not saying nothing to that. And that's fine. Hallelujah. I don't want to, con- when, I, when I find myself in a confrontation with the devil, some dark power, opposition in my life, and I, want, I need my authority to work. It matters what I did yesterday. It matters how I lived the week before. It matters, praise God, whether or not I have a prayer life and a word life. It matters whether or not I have a pastor and, and I'm, I'm, I'm at least in my heart, I'm, I'm wanting to grow and I want Jesus to be having His way and He's the boss and I'm not. And... But we want, the, we want the fringe benefit. Yeah, we want the power. We want heaven to break loose upon our finances in the name of Jesus. And yet we want to live out and sleep it around, drink it down, drink wine, come to church in our, with our ball cap. No. So what I'm preaching to you right now <laughs> is how to make your authority work. Listen, sickness is coming. And you want there to be something, a bite of some power when you pull the trigger. You know, you want to maintain your weapons. you got weapons. You want to maintain them. Because in the moment, in the heat of the moment, you didn't clean your gun, you didn't take care of your equipment, and now you need that thing to defend your life. And you pull the trigger and the thing goes, or click, or blows up in your hand. See, now you're in trouble because what you did not do before this moment came is going to bite you in your little pretty behind the bohunkus. And people come to me in the crises of life. Thank God I'm here for them. Do whatever I can. But all this time, they hadn't done kit and caboodle what they ought to be doing. And really what they're hoping and expecting is, Pastor, I hope you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because I haven't. And would you please use your authority and your power, shoot your weapon on my behalf. And I will do everything I can because I love you. (laughs) That same spirit's on me, Brother Jerry, that was on me last night in the meeting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Father. What I'm doing is I'm helping you get ready to whip the devil's tail and put him on the run. Come on. These guys couldn't do it because they were not a man under authority. Go over to Matthew chapter 8. Thank you, thank you. The Lord's helping me. Hallelujah. I'm nothing without him. None of us are. 
Oh, pastor, I missed it. That's all right. Just don't miss it anymore. <laughs> right? It's like Dr. Dufresne said, literally, when he was young, he worked on a lettuce truck. And they, he lived out in California, and they grow all the produce. And he said, I fell off more than once off the back of the lettuce truck, bumped my head. He goes, I learned how to not fall off the lettuce truck and bump my head. He said, I wish more Christians would stop falling off the lettuce truck. Stop bumping your head. Don't be condemned, don't be beat up, but stop doing what you're doing. And start doing what you're supposed to be doing. And things will go better for us. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, Matthew chapter 8. Looking at the time, praise God. Matthew chapter 8. Uh, verse number 5, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. Now a centurion, if you didn't know, it was a Roman soldier. And they called him a centurion. Can you guess why? Because he had a hundred soldiers underneath his command. Okay, that makes sense. So he is a Roman soldier with one hundred soldiers under his command. He came to Jesus beseeching him... And saying, Lord, what did he say? I never saw that. He said, Lord. Is he expressing, I'm acknowledging your place in my life? Hallelujah. That's what he called him. He could have said, Rabbi. It's a common name for ministers back then. Rabbi, teacher, master. He said, Lord. Hallelujah. And so he said, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Isn't that wonderful? I will come and heal him. Jesus did not say, well, let me check with my father and see if he's one of the lucky ones. I will come and heal him. Oh, are you all ready for this? And the centurion answered and said, Lord. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. What a revelation. And he goes on and he, he talks about what's underlying that statement. What, what the, he gives you next the background of his thinking. For I am a man under Authority. Notice the first thing he's thinking about is not the authority over people that he has. He's got a hundred people that will die at his command. But that's not what he's talking about first. The first thing he says, the first thing he's conscious of is what? I am a man under authority. We're almost done. Hold on. I'm going to ask you a question. Sweetie, are you? Are you? Are you a boy, a girl, man, a woman under authority? You know, when Dr. Jacobs said, Pastor Chris, I'd really like you to come with me back to Mexico in the spring. I didn't have to say, well, no. You know, that's kind of expensive. Are you going to pay my way? I'm a man under authority. I don't even have to pray about it. If, if it was some 
Joe Blow pastor, don't mean to, I don't mean by saying Joe Blow, I don't mean to diminish it. Some peer of mine, some guy out there says, hey, come preach for me. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to pray about that. But when my man of God, the one I'm in authority under, says I really would like for you, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to spend money, we're going to spend money. If you're a partner with me. We're going to go back to Mexico in the spring to minister to the Mexicans. To the body of Christ down there. See, I'm a man under authority. You know, if Dr. or Pastor Nancy... If she, can't, if she put her finger in my nose and said, you change that right now, son. You hear that? You, you say, I'm telling you, you change it. I don't want to see this again in you. Change it. Oh, I wouldn't take that from a woman preacher. I wouldn't take it from no. Well, you're, you need to deal with that right there, first of all. But I'm man under authority. I'm going to say, yes, ma'am, with God's help, that will never be an issue again in my life. I assure you that I'm going to change it. I'm starting right now. And I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to go find my pacifier and my Linus blanket and suck my thumb because somebody so, spoke strong to me. I'm judging myself. Listen, are you? Oh yeah, I love I love Jesus. I do. I love Jesus all my heart. Yeah, who's your pastor? Well, you know, I'm between churches right now. You're not a man under authority. You're not a woman under authority. You in danger. You're going to get whipped. Well, I have Jesus. Jesus gave you a pastor, brother. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Hallelujah. This is not how the church growth people tell you to do it. But What did he say? Jesus, I just want you to know, you don't have to come to my house. Now, his statement, I'm not worthy, that's not good thinking. That's not how Jesus views people. But here this man says, I'm a man under authority. Now listen to what he goes on and says. I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And guess what that guy does? He goes. Or I say to another man, come. And guess what that man does? He comes. Or I say, do this to another man. And guess what happens? He goes and does it. He goes, I understand how this works. See, that's why I love veterans. Veterans make great church people. And Catholics. Catholics, you get them born again, they make great church. Because they believe signs and wonders and they believe in honor for the priesthood. I'll take all the Catholics I can. Bring them on. They believe in signs and wonders. Right? I believe in Brother Miss Mary too. I believe in Mother Mary too. I just don't pray to her. And I followed Mother Mary right into the. I followed Mother Mother Mary right into speaking with tongues. You know, Mother Miss Mary. You want to follow Mother Mary? She's she's a tongue talker. Praise God. Amen. I'm good preaching. Hallelujah. Anyway, so he says, I, I got this revelation. You know, I'm learned. I've been trained. Go, and they go. Come, and they come. Do this, and it gets done. What does this have to do with Jesus and His servant? What do He say? Speak the word only. Speak the word only. And before I give you the punchline here, just to close, Jesus went on that passage and turned this man around. You said, And He, he turned him around and said, See this guy? He's not even a Jew. I have not found greater faith in all of Israel than what this guy just demonstrated right here. Right here. He highlighted, this man has got the greatest kind of faith of any person I've ever interacted with so far on this planet. Pay attention to this guy. This guy gets it. 
This guy right here, he gets it. So what did Jesus herald as the highest kind of faith? A faith mixed with a revelation of authority. He recognized Jesus not as authority over soldiers, but as an authority over sickness and disease. He recognized Jesus is Lord over sickness. Lord, all you have to do is do what I do to my guys. I'm an authority over these soldiers. You're an authority over creation. <laughs> Just speak the word and I got it. Jesus said, well, you have it then. Be it unto you according to you that believe. And the Bible says his servant was healed that hour. But you get my point up, we'll just have to, I, I think got one, one of the barrels kind of halfway shot out today, uh, is, are you a man under authority? He knew, what, he knew what made his authority work. The only way I get to stay in this position where I say go and they go and come and they come and do it to those under me is I have to stay in proper position in submission to the ones that are over me. Notice, if he stops, right? If he starts rejecting his chain of command, he loses his, he loses his authority. He gets crosswise of the higher-ups. He loses his ability to command those underneath him. If you want the ability to command all that is underneath you, you better stay in right fellowship with the ones that are over you in the Lord. Do you know that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Paul said, obey them that have the rule over you in the Lord. Esteem them very highly for their work's sake. Don't let it be a, a drudgery on them to be over you in the Lord because that would be unprofitable for you. Hebrews 13, 17. That's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? But a lot of people, they don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that God put someone over us in the Lord. I am so grateful to have somebody over me in the Lord. <laughs> someone I can call, someone I can talk to, someone who's praying for me, someone who's out ahead of me in spirit, someone who loves me, someone who cares, someone who knows Jesus better than I do. I value that. I value that. And, and of course I'm saying, before you would submit to me as your pastor, you need... See, if you're submitted to Jesus, right? Yeah, He's your captain. He's your Lord. He, he ought to be. Then He's going to talk to you about what you need to be doing. Right? I hear this from multiple people sometimes. Deacon Phillips say, they don't have church. But say, you know, but I, I pray. And, and God talks to me. I hear God. And I walk away going, you lie. You may pray, but if you were hearing from God, you would hear Him say, get your butt to church. <laughs> How many of you know God is speaking what His Word says? Y'all still love me? Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 You see, some people, they're just not ready for this message yet. That's okay. There's the thumbsucker church down there and then one over here and whatever. They just go over there. Get run over by the devil. Stay sick. Stay broke. Stay powerless. Devil running roughshod over their life and their family and all that. Whatever. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, there's a generation rising up in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet.
Hallelujah. Are you that gender? Are you going to stand up? Come on, be a man, be a woman. Hallelujah of God. It worked out pretty good for Jesus being submitted to the Father's authority. God exalted Him. And gave, right? Promoted Him. Exalted Him. Gave Him a name that is above every other name. Hallelujah. That at the name of Jesus, things and beings in heaven, things and beings in earth, things and beings even under the earth must bow their knee. How did He get there? By living a broken, humble, obedient, surrendered life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, today, God, thank You for jerking the slack out of our chain.